Bava Kama, Perik Yud, Mishnah Base, 10 to a bunch of different stuff happening in this Mishnah, all of it very interesting. It starts out following up what we said previously in the last Mishnah. What happens if Natlu Mochsin es Chamoro, Venasno Chamor Acher? In the previous Mishnah, we had said that one shouldn't get benefit from stolen goods, even if it's like a, you know, not that consequential of a benefit, because it's simply a Maguna, it's not appropriate. But here the case is that these Mochsin, these illegal tax collectors, um, confiscated, you know, this guy's donkey, but the, having mercy on him, they say, well, take this other donkey instead. So they give him a donkey of lesser value that they confiscated from somebody before him. So the question is, may he keep that donkey? And similarly, Gazlo listim es ksuso v'nasna lo ksus acheres. You have the robbers stand on the side of the road, and they, you know, find someone, they say, give us your money. He says, I have no money. And he pulls out his pockets, they're empty. They said, we don't believe you, we know how things are, you know, in the good old days of the Mishnah, um, people would like kind of sew money into their clothing and stuff like that, they didn't have safety deposit boxes, so the robbers say, take off your clothes, you want to check them, and then, you know, those poor guys left on the side of the road without clothes on, so they, the robbers throw some of the rags at them. So, can the victims of this robbery keep the rags or the previous other clothes that were thrown to them? Um, the Mishnah says, yes, hurry elu shalom, they can keep them, now why? Says the Mishnah in a very important sentence, because the original owners of this donkey or these clothing uh, will have had Yehush, they'll have given up hope of reclaiming them. Now, the rule is, and really this is the first place in the Mishnah where we see this rule explicitly, is that if you have these two elements, Yehush, the uh, abandonment of hope, giving up hope of ever reclaiming one's object, and then shin rishus, a transfer to a different person's possession, that is, um, makes the object now the legal property of the new possessor of it. So that means, if I buy something, if B steals something from A, and then C buys it from B, it still belongs to A, okay? Because it's still A's. But if A has Yeush, he gives up hope of getting it back first, that's the Yeush step, and then C acquires it from B after that, so now C, um, through those two elements of Yeush, followed by Shin transfer of ownership, a transfer of domain, of, of possession, um, effects a full transfer of ownership as well. So our mission here is saying, even though these robbers or these tax collectors were illegal, um, assuming that their victims would um, have automatically given up hope of ever getting their stuff back, because let's say um, the robbers, let's say, were Jewish robbers, um, so if there's no witnesses, you can never get them back if you got the police, because you have no witnesses, um, or the like. So then, now the person who gets the replacement donkey or replacement clothing can keep them. Um, meaning, let me speak out two things. First of all, let me speak out that if, for some reason, the person receiving the clothes knew full well that the previous owner had not given up hope, Let's say, for example, he was he was watching it happen, and he heard the victim before him, who had his clothes taken off of him, say, I'm not Yehush, I'm not Miyayesh, I don't give up hope, I'm going to get those back from you, or something like that. So then, of course, he has to give the he, the guy who gets the clothing, has to give it back to the original owner, because there was no Yehush. But assuming that we know there's a Yehush, and we can safely assume there was a Yehush, he could keep it. Um, now, if you'll ask, wait a second, the previous Mishnah said you can't even get, you know, a little bit of benefit, like making change with stolen money. Um, how could now you... Um, you know, ride off into the sunset on t- on this stolen donkey. The answer is um, that the Mishnah is making a is distinguishing between 
getting some kind of benefit, which is the previous mission, and that was muguna, it's not appropriate. And here, um, where a person's not really getting benefit, he's simply just, you know, minimizing his losses. In other words, he lost a fancy donkey and got a dud in exchange. He lost fancy clothing and got some rags in exchange. So therefore, his acceptance of the dud donkey or the rags, um, which were worth less than what he gave, is him just, you know, um, minimizing his loss. And minimizing one's loss is not the same as getting a benefit. Um, that's a just differentiation that exists throughout halacha, and it's truly here as well. Which means similarly... Um, although we said you can't make change in the previous Mishnah with the the moches who has stolen money, um, if the illegal tax collector, the moches, you know, says he wants you to give him, you know, fifty dollars um, taxes, and it's, he's sort of extorting it from you, and you say you only have a hundred, and he gives you back fifty change, you could keep that because again, not keeping the fifty change would basically be just you know um, making a bigger loss for yourself. So though the previous Mishnah said you can't make change, that's what I just described of getting fifty back is not called making change. It's simply minimizing your loss, so you shouldn't lose a full hundred. Okay, that's the first uh, part of the Mishnah, and it introduces that very important concept of Yehush plus Shini Rishus, giving up hope, original owner giving up hope, followed by transferring to a new person, um, does actually change the ownership for good. So following up on that line of thinking, we have Hamatzel Min HaNahar, Omin HaGayas. If Mr. A has something, um, but then it gets stripped away from him, either through a nahar, like a river that overfloods its banks, and like it washes away the guy's, I don't know what, the guy has a he has a jacket, and inside the jacket it's it's got his name. It says, you know, please return to owner, and has his you know, name and phone number. But the river overflows its banks, and the jacket gets flooded away. Omen hagayas, a guy is like a marauding troops that come through and they kind of, you know, just, you know, sack the city and take whatever they want. Omen list him, or robbers that put a gun to someone's head and said, give us your jacket, and he gave the jacket. Um, if the owners did give up hope, meaning, so for example, you hear the guy losing his jacket to the river and say, oh, my poor jacket, I'll never see it again. Farewell. Um, or something like that, you know. So he, he explicitly says he's given up hope of getting it back, notwithstanding the fact that his name and number inside of it, who cares? If it's washed away by the river, it's washed away by the river. So if he is Miyayesh from the river or the marauding troops or the robbers, then Hooray Elu then the guy who recovers the, the item from the river or the robbers um, or the marauding troops, he can keep it. Why can he keep it? Because again, you have Yehush plus Shinarishus. You have abandoning hope of getting it back, followed by a transfer to this new finder. Again, if the new finder didn't know that there was Yehush, he would have to give it back. Of the mitzvah of Hashavah Okay. Now we transition to the topic of bee colonies. Okay, so bee colonies, people kept bees in their, I'll call it their backyards, for the sake of getting the honey. Uh, the thing is, though, that technically speaking, to own something requires some kind of active acquisition, a mice kinyan. And when it comes to bee colonies, no one's like doing hagba on the bees. No one's picking up the bees to acquire them. The bees are wild animals. They're not domesticated. They just fly around. And the guy has the good fortune of having these bees, you know, setting up shop in his backyard, and he's getting the honey from them. So does he own those bees? So Midorai said not, because he didn't actually do anything to acquire them. His Even his rishus doesn't acquire on his behalf because it's not mishtamer. In other words, the bees aren't kept in his rishus. They come and go as they please. So it's not his midoraisa. But the rabbi said midorabanan, that a nechil shel devor, a bee colony, belongs to its, the person um, who's in whose backyard they've set up shop. It's a dindorabanan. So the point is that if a bee colony essentially is snatched away, 
um, from Mr. A, like in the, by Mr. B, whatever it is, uh, or whatever. Im habarlim, if Mr. A gives up hope of getting it back, so then Mr. B can keep it. He either can keep like the bees that relocated, um, or if he ends up, you know, somehow getting a hive, it can be can keep it. The point is that there's Yehush that applies to bee colonies as well. Now we'll talk in a moment about about bees moving on their own. But the question right now at the Mishnah should be, wait a second, we just said that you need to have Yehush and Shin Rishos in order to get ownership, so why should we be different by bees? What's the difference? So the answer is, the difference is that since the ownership of bees is only Midurabanan, so you might have thought incorrectly that you don't even need Yehush to acquire the bees. In other words, you might have thought, what makes the bees yours is that they have to be setting up shop in your backyard. So if the bees were in Reuven's backyard, and now they picked up and relocated to Shimon's backyard, or if someone chased them away or caused them to move or picked up the you know, the hive and moved it elsewhere, all the above doesn't make a difference. Now they're in Shimon's backyard, they should be Shimon's bees. You might have thought that, but the answer is no, it's not true. Reuven is entitled to own the bees, Midurabanan, until he's Miyayesh, until he gets up hope of getting them back. Fine. Now, what happens if you know that the bees that were in your backyard now have gone missing, and you get wind where the colony has relocated. So what happens is, in the real world, is that um, you know bee colonies, if they get too big, so then the bees will essentially swarm, and they'll find a, they'll relocate. They'll basically all gather around. The queen will leave the the, the queen will leave the the hive. Um, she will go, kind of go on some branch somewhere. The whole the half or more of the colony will sort of gather around her, protecting her, keeping her cool, and then um, then scouts will find a new place, and they'll relocate um, to a new place um, pretty quickly. So, uh, in the meantime, while the bees have sort of like swarmed on some branch, some are waiting to figure out where they're going. Uh, they're pretty docile; they're easy to catch. Really, the truth is, relatively speaking, um, and they could be brought right back and encouraged to set up shop um, back in the old, you know, in the in the, in the original Reuven's backyard. So what happens is Reuven gets wind that his, you know, his most of his bees have picked up and gone elsewhere. All of them gone elsewhere. They've swarmed. He's looking for his bees. He finds out they're in, you know, Shimon's backyard. He wants to get them back. So says the Mishnah. Amr Biyochan ben Broka neemenes isha o katan lomar mekan yatanechilze. Biyochan ben Broka says um, even a woman or a child is believed regarding the origins of this particular swarm of bees. So the point here is this, that normally when it comes to like a din Torah in a, in a court of law, the testimony of a woman or a child is not admissible. Notwithstanding that, um, if, and the Gemara explains you to have two conditions here, if Reuven's, you know, filed his police report and he's looking, you know, spread the word around town, put up signs on the, on the local, you know, of, you know, telephone poles looking for my swarm of bees, so the, the word is out that Reuven's missing his, his bees, and then like in innocence, um, a child or a woman says, oh, I saw, you know, I happened to see bees. Did you see the bees that swarmed this morning? There, you know, there are 30,000 bees on the, on, the, on the post box or something. So the point is, they're not, they're lefitumam, they're giving information about the origin of the bees, but they're not doing it in the capacity of edus. They're speaking, you know, just uh, gossiping. So that's the case. So then that's admissible um, in a court, that Reuven can say, listen, I'm looking for my bees, everyone knows it. And then someone else says, well, we heard these you know, children talking about the swarm of bees that have moved um, across town. And he can say, oh, that's my bees. And actually, he can go then into Shimon's backyard, we'll see in a moment, and get his bees back based on the fact that he was looking for his bees. And he has information from women or children, etc., that those are the bees that um, came from his, his backyard.
Um, so now, so that means that Reuven now can go into Shimon's backyard and get his bees back. Says the Mishnah, He therefore, the original owner Reuven, can go into Shimon's backyard and retrieve his bees. Now, Shimon wouldn't be allowed to sort of, you know, say, listen, you're trespassing, what are you doing in my backyard? You know, because that is Gezel Madurabanan. You can't restrict someone's access to their own property. That's not Gezel Madurabanan, but it's only Madurabanan. If, if someone kicks their soccer ball into your backyard, you can't just say, yeah, it's your ball, but I'm letting you to come get it. No, you can't do that. That's called Gezel Madurabanan. It's stealing. Um, so similarly now, um, Shimon has to provide Reuven access. Reuven can take access to get his bees back. Um, now, what happens if, as he's going to get his bees, he tramples on, you know, Shimon's tomato patch? So says the Mishnah, Bim Hizik, Mishal Masha Hizik. Of course, while Reuven is allowed to go in to get his bees, he's not allowed to damage um, Shimon's property. Now, if he knows ahead of time it's going to cause damage, he's still allowed to retrieve his bees. But then he'll have to... So the Chiddush is he's allowed to damage the tomatoes. I said he wasn't, but actually he is allowed to damage the tomatoes um, to go to go retrieve his bees. Just that he'll have to, you know, he's not just because he's authorized to get his bees doesn't mean he's authorized to damage the tomatoes and not pay for them. That's what I should have said. So, therefore, um, Reuven gets his bees and he just pays for the tomatoes that he damaged in uh, in Shimon's backyard. Now, aval, there's limits. Says the, the first sheet here, the sheet of Rabbi Elkanah ben Broca. Avalo yakots es socho shel almanasli ten es adamim. What he cannot do is Reuven can't go to Shimon's field and say, listen, I see all the bees are now swarming on the branch of your tree. I'm not going to start getting them one by one. That's dangerous. It's never going to work. I'm just going to cut off the whole branch and then I'll take the whole branch back to my backyard and they'll set up shop over there. And yes, I'm destroying your tree branch, but you know what? I'll reimburse you whatever it costs. Says the Tana here, Yochum Broka, no, you cannot do that. The reason why you can't do it is because you can't just, you know, when it comes to tomatoes, either the tomatoes were for eating or for selling, and the point is that just they're, the Reuven can give him new tomatoes or reimburse him for the lost because he couldn't sell the tomatoes, whatever it is. But when it comes to a tree branch, you can't just replace that because you're not going to put on a new prosthetic tree branch, and now your trees are ugly, and now you can't hang your hammock from your tree anymore because your tree is missing a branch. So therefore, since it can't be replaced, you're not allowed to do it, says Riochim Abroka. But... Rabbi Yishmol Bano Shal Biochim Broka, Rabbi Yishmol his son, says, Af Kotzetz Venosin Esadamim. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can even cut off, Reuven can even cut off the branch of Shimon's uh, tree, knowing full well he's causing damage to reclaim his missing beehive. And then, of course, he has to just reimburse him for the damage he caused. Um, now, really, the machlokas here is based on a question about if, when Yoshua Benun, back in the conquest of Eretz Yisrael, made such a condition or not, and that makes it more complicated, um, but be that as it may, and it's even more and more complicated in as much as um, Rabbi Yishmael is the son of Yochum and Brokha. So Yochum and Brokha saying, no, that wasn't his tradition, whereas Rabbi Yishmael is bringing in a tradition that it was a condition that Yoshua made, so he must have gotten it. He, Rabbi Yishmael, must have gotten this tradition from his teachers, not from his father. In any case, that's his position. Now, the Bartanur learns like the Rambam and says, Ein halachik Rabbi Yishmael, meaning, there are limits. Reuven cannot cut down the branch off of Shimon's tree because it can't be replaced. And that's how the Bartanur rules, and that's how the base on the Rambam. Um, the Ramah brings um, the other shitas, the shitas of uh, the, the Rosh and the Tur, that indeed even the tree branch can be cut down, just that 
uh, Reuven has to pay for the damages he causes. So there's two sheets of Berlin, the Shulchan Aruch, therefore it's a machlokus, two sheets in the Ramah, and uh, machlokus to the, to the end.